Very much welcome to this podcast about iron deficiency. Uh, my name is Gunnar Birgård. I am a professor of hematology in Uppsala, Sweden. And I will be the host not only for this podcast, but uh, also for six other podcasts in a series, a series about iron deficiency in different patient populations, where we discuss uh, not only the mechanisms behind iron deficiency, with quite a lot of new data that have, uh, um, there have been flowing in during the last few years, but also how to, to diagnose, etc., treat. And the basic idea is to provide hematologists with a knowledge and a base, basis for answering questions uh, when other specialists consult us about patients uh, with iron problems. Uh, this series is funded by EHA, and you can access it at the, at the EHA campus, www.ehaweb.org. This time, we are going to discuss uh, perioperative iron deficiency, perioperative anemia. And it is my pleasure to welcome Professor Antonio Almeida uh, as today's expert. Uh, and he comes from uh, Lisbon. And Antonio, please, can you introduce yourself? Thank you very much, Gunnar. It's really a pleasure to be back here with you, participating in this series of podcasts. My name is Antonio Almeida. I am a hematologist in Lisbon, Portugal, and my main area of interest is anemias of all kinds and varieties, which also includes iron deficiency anemia. Thank you. So let's get at it. And the first question, of course, is why is iron deficiency important at all in the situation of a patient having an operation? And what is the important uh, aspects of that? So let's start with the, the question, is it really important to be iron replete, to have iron stores before surgery? What do you say, Antonio? Well, I mean, I think the thing that we first thing we need to point out is that iron deficiency and iron deficiency anemia are very frequent in patients who need operations. And there are several reasons for this. First of all, patients obviously need surgery because they're ill. So we're not talking about elective cosmetic surgery. We're talking about major abdominal surgery, orthopedic surgery, surgery of patients who have inflammatory diseases. And this means that either real iron deficiency or functional iron deficiency is frequent. And why is it so important to address this? Because a myriad of studies, including several very large meta-analyses, have shown that patients that have iron deficiency and anemia have worse outcomes. They have an increased rate of admissions post-operatively. They have an increased rate of reoperation. They also have increased mortality and increased complications long-term. So it is very important for us to identify those patients to try and prevent this, this higher incidence of complications. Yes, and uh, as you said, it's quite common to have anemia and before an operation. Uh, there's a wonderful study from China with almost 800,000 participants. Can you imagine that? This is only possible in China. 
it's a retrospective study, but it was found that uh, almost 30% of the patients were actually anemic before the operation. So they had a, a good chance to look at an, an extremely large material to substantiate what you just said about the complications in those patients who had anemia. And in that study, as well as in others, it's also been shown uh, how seldom uh, something is done about the anemia, uh, that people go to operation being anemic. And that's why you can get so good figures at, at uh, how dangerous it is. So that is really something that, that needs to be addressed and that is not addressed uh, sufficiently as it is now. So one question then, you know, when, when somebody uh, consults you about a patient, they usually say that we're going to operate this patient in so and so many weeks. And we have found this. And the first question as a hematologist, then you would have to, to ask yourself, is it really necessary to operate uh, in three weeks or in four weeks uh, in view of, of the situation, the, the degree of anemia, et cetera? So uh, what do you think, Antonio, about uh, our answers in, in that respect? Well, I mean, obviously it all depends on the nature of the surgery and how urgent it is. Clearly, if at all possible, I would prefer to have time to correct the anemia and to correct the iron deficiency before surgery. It is likely that, that this will reduce the rate of transfusions, it will reduce complications, and it will put a the patient in a better state overall to undergo an anesthetic. Of course, this cannot be a hard pass rule. And if I have a patient with, say, a colon tumor or a bleeding ulcer, which is actively bleeding, it does not make sense for me to delay a surgery when the disease that is requiring surgery has some urgency. But every time that I have a more elective surgery and that I can delay it, I think I would rather do so rather than, and correct the anemia rather than proceed in a patient with anemia. Yes, because sometimes we really need some time to make the diagnosis and classify the anemia to know what to do about it. And that may need more time than just a few weeks. It may sometimes be very difficult for a patient to accept that if they waited for a long time for an operation, say a hip replacement or something like that, that suddenly um, um, your doctor say, says that you'll have to wait a few more weeks. And they may become very disappointed, but it should be possible to, to inform them well enough to, uh, to make them understand why it is really for their own best if we need a few extra weeks. And in this context, I also think it's quite relevant that, um, I mean, I know we're talking mainly to hematologists because this is going to be in the EHA campus, but it is relevant for us to reach out to other specialities such as anesthetics and surgery and to highlight the importance of iron deficiency and perhaps have the patients tested not at their anesthetic assessment, but at the surgical assessment, which often is quite a few weeks, if not months before the surgery. And that would give us more time to, to replace the iron. So early referral is a very important message in this context. Yes. 
And going back to the e-learning material that I hope many of you have seen before, that was a patient who had arthritis and had had it for many, many years. And actually three years before the operation, she was diagnosed with iron deficiency anemia. And a short period, she was put on, on oral iron. It didn't work because she had side effects and then nothing more was done. So probably she has been anemic all these three years up to the operation and not until then uh, this becomes an issue. So that shows that quite often anemia and iron deficiency is really not looked upon by the treating physician. Um, and that is really something we should reach out with uh, because then the patient maybe wouldn't have had uh, been in this situation uh, when it came to the operation. Yes, and of course, as you say, sometimes uh, there can't be any delay. We have to proceed to, to operation straight away. And we'll get back to the situation when the patient is anemic and what we'll do at operation and afterwards. But first, there is the question of, of treatment uh, with iron before an operation. You know, there was a big study published uh, this year that failed to show any benefit of intravenous iron given uh, before the operation in patients who had iron deficiency. That is the so-called PREVENT study. And uh, since many recommendations in, in uh, uh, clinical settings say that you should actually treat with iron, in iron-deficient patients before operation, there may be some confusion about why we stand now. Do you have a comment to this? Well, I think the first thing I would say is that the results of the PREVENT study are surprising, and definitely it is an outlier in all the other studies that we have. It is true that this is a randomized study, and that gives us quite a high level of evidence, but it is also true that it is quite limited in the type of surgery that they assessed. It was only major abdominal surgery. And also, it, does, it was only assessing uh, patients in one particular country, which also limits the, the scope. I would like to highlight that despite not being able to show benefit in terms of transfusion requirements and also in terms of complications and mortality, patients who received intravenous iron in this study uh, because the study randomized patients between receiving intravenous iron or placebo before surgery, those who received intravenous iron did have an increase in hemoglobin by almost five grams. So this is quite a significant increase, which means that intravenous iron is very efficacious in these patients in improving their hemoglobin. But I think it is relevant. Like you say, we have a large study from China with almost 800,000 patients, which really is a big contrast to the 500 patients included in the PREVENT study. And these, this study really shows a high rate of complications in those who have perioperative anemia. And this is probably likely to be reversed if we correct that anemia. What's your take on this, Gunnar? Because it really was a very surprising result. Yes. And we should also note that there is another study in, in patients with arthrosis um, from this year uh, that again shows um, that it's common with um, anemia 
And both these studies we're talking about now are really focusing on uh, the anemia rather than, as in the PREVENT study, only on iron deficiency. Because in a situation like, for instance, that patient who is in the, the um, uh, material that we have seen, we really don't know what that patient suffers from, except that it that patient had uh, iron deficiency. And in the PREVENT study, we can't see how many of these patients who had, for instance, a functional iron deficiency or had something else mixed up with their iron deficiency. It's also noticeable that the shortest time of treatment was actually two weeks. And especially in a patient with functional iron deficiency, it may be insufficient to treat for such a short time before the operation to make any difference in terms of, of the hemoglobin. And since we talked about this before, Antonia, I know that you, just as well as me, rather would like people to focus on the anemia and how we can correct the anemia before uh, the operation, not only iron deficiency. Yes, absolutely. And I think this is really critical because we are looking at a population of patients that does not only have a surgical problem. If they already have anemia, they have other multi-organ problems and the anemia may affect their cardiac function, their pulmonary function. And so the correction of this and the iron deficiency is very important, I feel, before surgery. Yes, you can reason in terms of practicalities also. I always like to think that even if we don't succeed in elevating the hemoglobin so much before the operation, it really can't be any harm if the patient has a good iron store when they have uh, bleeding so during the operation and they need to increase their hemoglobin afterwards. They should absolutely have iron stores, not be depleted when, um, when this occurs. Okay, absolutely. And in fact, if we look at a, a, the Canadian study, which was published this year by Bailey, it does show that the patients who were iron replete so they have their iron deficiency treated before orthopedic surgery, were much less likely to need a blood transfusion and were much less likely to have to stay in hospital for a longer time. And so, as you say, it's not just having anemia, it's having the iron replete before surgery that makes the whole process more likely to be successful. It's sort of a, um, a similar situation as we talked about in a previous podcast with women who have a child and they lose a lot of blood during that operation. And some of them leave the hospital with quite insufficient iron stores. And they are in a much, much better situation if we have provided them with iron stores to make hemoglobin from. There is a special category uh, of patients that uh, we should mention, and that is uh, patients who are operated with cardiac disease, because there are a number of studies in cardiac disease showing that it is efficient to treat their iron deficiency. Do you see any reason why um, they would be especially um, uh, well uh, responding to iron uh, in this situation? Well, yes, I'm glad you mentioned that because that was one of the first podcasts in our series is treating iron in patients with cardiac failure. And in this context, these patients will also need surgery 
uh, at some time. They, like everybody else, they may have other problems. And it's, the patients with cardiac failure have an increased incidence of iron deficiency. And this iron deficiency, even if not translated into anemia, has a functional effect on cardiac function. And so this is a population that particularly benefits from having an accurate assessment of their iron status and also from having a repletion of their iron status. And not only um, iron deficiency, but there has been a study from China that shows that these patients may even benefit from increasing their preoperative hemoglobin levels with erythropoietin so, so as to be able to have a greater reserve during the surgery and not have an, a post-operative anemia that may re result from surgical bleeding and therefore have a better outcome overall. So I think they, these populations are particularly important. And, and you've highlighted postpartum women. We don't often look at as, um, as a delivery, as a surgery, but in fact, it has similar complications to surgery in terms of bleeding, in terms of uh, inflammatory state. And therefore, that, those two populations, patients who have chronic organ failure or patients who are postpartum, should be particularly looked at in the postpartum period or the postoperative period to make sure that they have adequate iron stores. Yes. And when you mention the possibility of creating a blood reserve, that uh, leads us to um, discuss another very special population. Many, many years ago, I was asked by um, the thoracic surgeons, do we really dare operate this patient who is a Jehovah's Witness and refuses blood transfusions? We are sure that he is going to lose quite a lot of blood during the operation. And do we really dare to, to do this in, in face of uh, his, the anemia that, that will uh, um, ensue? So this was before there had been any, uh, any publications about this issue, but we made a plan to increase the reserve of hemoglobin in this patient by treating with erythropoietin for four weeks carefully monitoring so we could see we set a limit for how high the hemoglobin was uh, allowed to go and but created quite a reserve of blood and newly made erythrocytes uh, and the operation was was done and it was very nicely uh, performed and everything went well and since then there have been several um, studies showing that this is quite a possible way to do have you also had such experiences? Absolutely. We, we do that quite regularly in patients who are Jehovah's Witnesses or refuse blood transfusions for other reasons, um, that we preemptively will increase their hemoglobin with erythropoietin and also with iron supplementation, because we mustn't forget that if we are increasing the iron utilization by increasing the hemoglobin, we will need to make sure they are iron replete. Um, and we normally set a cutoff hematocrit at 55%. So we monitor them carefully. And at that stage, we, we are able to operate safely, obviously reducing the hemoglobin, but not to dangerously anemic levels. And so the patients do well. So I, I do agree that is a very useful strategy. And it's very interesting to see how you were pioneering this. Well, let's go on. Um... 
There is, um, of course, a question of what do we ask our colleagues uh, to test when they have had um, uh, a patient with uh, maybe an anemia problem before the operation, they do make the operation and then they are going to dismiss the patient. What should we ask them to, to check before the patient leaves the hospital? Well, I think this is another important point. Not only do we have to be careful of patients before they have surgery, but we also must make sure that before they are discharged, they either are iron replete or that they have adequate supplementation. It doesn't mean they need to be, the, the discharge needs to be delayed, but I think patients need to be carefully assessed, both in terms of hemoglobin levels, but also in terms of iron storage. And we must be very aware that ferritin is not a particularly good measure at this stage because postoperatively there will be inflammation and an inflammatory state will increase ferritin level. So it is important for us to check their iron and then to repeat blood tests a week or two after surgery to see if the patients indeed have become iron deplete or even anemic and need to be treated. How often do you do this, Gunnar, when you, when you are referred to patients postoperatively? Well, if there is an anemia and we have given iron, my basic rule has always been test after two weeks. Because if you can see what happens after two weeks, uh, you can draw conclusions about the efficacy of what you have done or whether you need to do something else. But what you say about ferritin um, postoperatively is, of course, absolutely true. So therefore, I think a very good advice to um, the doctor in case is to say that you need a serum ferritin when the patient comes to the, to the operation, before the operation, because then you can trust the serum ferritin much better. And then uh, you will be able to assess how much blood has the patient lost during operation uh, and be in a, a much better situation to judge what they need. Yes, indeed, the, the question is, who will be doing this when, when, um, when the patient is discharged? What happens in Sweden? Who, who normally does these post-operative monitorizations? Well, this is a sore point. Things are changing. And actually, there are now um, orthopedic and surgery departments who actually say that they don't do follow-ups at all. It used to be obvious that a surgeon or an orthopedian would follow up their operation, see what has happened to the patient, and then could also follow up uh, the blood variables. Nowadays, you're not too sure about that. So what we can do then is to stress that somebody has to do this and also be aware of the anemia and iron problem and follow up that specifically. So either they do it themselves or they refer it to, to uh, uh, some other doctor, the need to stress uh, the importance of this. How is it in Portugal? Yes, I mean, we have the same difficulties. Um, our, our family medicine is, not, is quite heterogeneous throughout the country. So in some areas, there would be a great support and we, the patients can be discharged with a protocol and the family doctors can actually do the follow-up. In other areas of the country, this is diff has difficulty in happening because there are few general practitioners. And so we normally have patients come back to the hospital for this. Um, 
regardless, what I've been fighting a lot in my hospital is that there is a protocol. And so that the patients will come out with a standard letter that states that in two weeks time, they should have these blood tests to monitor their iron or hemoglobin levels. But the other very important point that you stressed is identifying patients that had iron deficiency before their operation that were replete, treated, they were, had surgery. And if the surgery does not address the cause of the iron deficiency, for example, if the surgery was to intestinal tumor, that normally addresses the cause of the iron deficiency. But if the surgery was something else, such as an orthopedic surgery, it is very important that these patients are not lost to follow up and that following the surgery, their iron deficiency, their anemia is correctly investigated at risk of missing some other disease that could be life-saving if caught very early. Um, how do you ensure that that happens in your patients? Yeah, well, all we can do is, well, we can ask the, the surgeon who's going to make the operation, how, how will you uh, follow up? And if we think that the answer is not satisfactory, I would prefer to see the patient myself as a hematologist, um, some uh, four to six weeks after the operation to follow up and then see to it that the patient is really also followed up afterwards by somebody, maybe a family doctor. Um, so if I don't trust that it will happen, I will take it on myself. I'm, I have always done that. Uh, but you can always, of course, ask this doctor to see to it uh, that there is a follow-up and, and um, stress that since this was a special problem in this patient, this patient needs a special follow-up, either with you or with a family doctor. Okay. Um, we have a few minutes left. Is there anything else in... Uh, in the area that we have talked about that you would like to add, Antonio? I would just suggest some a practice that has been quite successful in one hospital that I've worked in, is that the laboratories actually put a note in the results of the blood test when they detect iron deficiency, and it's an automatic note to say, this patient is iron deficient, make sure that he gets investigated. And that very often prompts referrals, if not initiation of investigation by their attending doctors. Very good, thank you. So we are about to round up this discussion and um, we have noted that iron deficiency is a very common problem uh, in, before an operation and at operations. Um, that the importance of being iron replete and especially having a normal hemoglobin at the time of operation has been shown in many, many studies and that it really makes a difference. We also have uh, highlighted that we really want to focus on the anemia. Um, we need to investigate what kind of anemia it is, correct iron deficiency, but also see whether there is something else that needs um, to be addressed. Um, we have uh, talked about uh, uh, the goal of having uh, not only iron repletion, but also a normal hemoglobin at operation. And we have talked about the importance of the follow-up. So thank you very much. Uh, and thank you to all the listeners. And I hope that you will also be back for the next podcast. Bye-bye.
Thank you very much. Bye-bye.